to Stock Talk Podcast, where topics are covered and questions are answered across all parts of the show stock industry. Get ready to learn and laugh with your hosts, Trevor Kirkpatrick and Corey Edge. And we're back. Thanks uh, for tuning in for another week of Stock Talk. We got Cattle Talk this time with Jared Bort, also known as JB. And uh, it wouldn't be brought to you if it wasn't for our folks at uh, Walton. I'm just going to get right to it. Folks, they make you see livestock like you've never seen it before. They're all over the country. And uh, I use it as a tool for showmanship with my my showmen. And uh, they're just good people. So if you haven't already, like them on social media and uh, go to the archives, look at their stuff, and buy a subscription. Most definitely. Uh, you know, they're show pig people, the, the folks at Walton are, and, and obviously we, we would be remiss if we didn't give a shout out to our friends at the Wit group with showpig.com and show cattle connection mm-hmm. as well. So you want to talk about two platforms that are housed under the same roof that offer an incredible way to sell and buy livestock, uh, across those two species. Uh, I mean, uh, incredible reps, incredible sales, and uh, what what could you ask for when Colonel Kevin Went is at the top of that totem pole? Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, even if you're in the market for both, you've got them right there at your fingertips. You so skedaddle. No so I do have a really quick story I want to tell uh, because I told the family I was definitely going to say it. There's a moral at the end of this story, and I'll make it quick. I go look at some purebred gilts down the road here in, in Ohio. Mm-hmm. Find me a nice red gilt. I'm like, okay, that one's going to work for Perry. I like her a bunch in a, in a group with a bunch of good ones that, that I was going to keep or whatever. Mm-hmm. Throw in the popper. Take her down two and a half hours to southern Ohio. Get her out of the popper. Throw in the pen. That's all ready and family's excited and, and ready to go to Perry for the very first time. Never shown a purebred gilt ever. And I was like, you know what? I better check your underline. I always do. Five titter. Mm. And got a problem, called the breeder, good guy, said, hey, got one here. Were, it's probably were, were you already there? I was well, like, did you pick this pig up? Oh, yeah. In the popper. And then and then thought to check the underline? Yep. Yep. Idiot. Yeah. I know. Honestly, it's okay. So threw her down and then had to pick her back up. This is a June guilt, by the way. Big girl. And threw her back in the popper, took her back up, replaced her brother. Matter met the family halfway, so we're good now. But moral of the story is, count tits. <laughs> Plain and simple. Uh, but I think we we jinxed ourselves with the the short underline Duroc talk. Um, but oh yeah, you know with Bram Ship and show them. So yeah. hey, well. before before we get to that segment, um, I think our hats need to go off. But before, but before we even get to that, it, it's because of Fierce Threads. The hats that we take off to every, each and every week, they're they're all embroidered by Fierce Threads, and our new hats are our brand new hats. They're a little color. I I like the color match option that we decided to go with with the black, the black on black and the gray on gray. Oh yeah, I think that looks pretty sweet. Yeah, and I can't wait to get my own. Dang it! Uh, and, but but it's coming. It's coming, and also. Uh, Big Paul Lifestyle Company. Make sure you uh, get the top-of-the-line livestock apparel there at Big Paul Lifestyle. So, my hat is going off. 
to you. The person that tells the young kid, what are you doing with your life? We hear about it with Jared here in just a minute. But that person that just looks at you and like, what are you doing with your life? Because we all need to hear it. I I had it with Mike McCoy. So what are you doing with your life? Where are you going to school? I had no idea. But the reason those people are so important, because you need a little bit of guidance. So I'll call that a mentor. But that but that specific person, whoever it may be, brother, sister, that is, what are you doing with your life? That's my hats off. That's good stuff. Okay, rip it. This week, my hat goes off to you, Rusty Corn Pro. (laughs) You have multiple uses, whether it be hauling breads from one pasture to the next, taking old sows to the local market, or transporting furniture to your new house. (laughs) The Rusty Corn Pro is the trustiest trailer you can have. And let me say this, Corn Pro is not a sponsor of the podcast. However, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you've not been in this industry very long. (laughs) So my hat goes off to you, the Rusty Corn Pro. Oh, good one. Everybody has one or at least borrows one from their uncle. Yep. Oh, boy. uh, From my dad's show career, uh, clear through my senior year of high school, that thing was roughly 37 years old. I saw Nathan Day was selling his on showpig.com. Nathan Day actually sold that trailer. We he he came and bought it from us and we put a new floor in it and whatnot. But it was it still had some rust. Yeah. 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 The the rust king. Anyway. Good stuff. Man. The corn pro. Love it. Well corn pro. So we got Brandon Ship and Show too. We're just ripping them off here, you know. Yeah. Listen, we just we gotta get into this interview. It's, yeah, it's it, a good one. I'm on the edge of my edge of my seat here because uh jared just tells a story does it well so freedom ship and show brought to you by formula of champions formula of champions show feed is a premium line of feed sweeping the midwest these products are highly fortified using unique ingredients and consistent high quality standards to learn how to flip the switch and bring your program to the next level check out formula of champions.com formula of champions a division of kalenbach feed now i want to tell you folks I love that you're sending in your Breedem Shipem Shomes. They're great. Flip the switch. Flip it. Uh, but let's get a little bit more creative. Yeah. Because all we're doing is sending in sire names, which they can be fun, but it is it is fun. It is fun. The three that we're getting, uh, I think two of the three were were submitted like four times. Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, you guys are begging you guys are begging us to absolutely crap on industry leading sires. Good, good. Thank you for that. It's a nice reality check, (laughs) but also, why do you got to do us like that? Yeah. Uh, I I would rather, I mean, we'll do it. Trust me. Like I'm not, I'm glad, I'm glad we're getting some submissions, but I like the, uh, the $5,000, uh, Hereford heifer, the, you know that you know those scenarios that you have to create critique and there's some curveballs in there that's that's when it gets interesting and dicey like those man those would definitely get your hat in the drawing for 
two weeks from now. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. All right, Trevor, let's just dive into it. All right, let's get it. Anyway. Okay. This week, Ashley sends us a very unique one on Facebook. I know it's, I know it's just the three sire deal, which in this case, all come from different species. Mm. So think about this. This comes from Ashley on Facebook. You've got Irish whiskey, the bull drop the mic club lamb sire, who we've talked about before on the podcast and dirty secret. The boar that died too young. Mm. Boy. Chip one show and go. Mm. So I'm probably going to get some heat for this, but that's okay. Because I also tried to say that a crypt orchid couldn't breed and a free Martin. Yeah. And that's why it's fun. Anyway, of the three, I think Irish whiskey is the most outdated. I think he's the most behind time. I would agree. I would agree. So then you've got the option of drop the mic, dirty secret. So you're shit. You're shipping whiskey. I'm right. shipping Irish whiskey. I mean, he has the he has all those sons. Trust me, we all know he's a good one. Bye bye, Cowtown. See you later. Now. I would love to show something that looks like Dirty Secret. And as dominant as his genetics have been across the industry, I think I'm showing Dirty Secret. And Breeding dropped the mic. That's fair. Uh, I 100% agree. Nice. Could you imagine? Could you imagine walking in to Summer Type Conference or walking into to walking into Belton? Like, with dirty secret. Oh shit, there's dirty secret. Or it, at that time it'd be like, what the hell is that thing? Yeah. Brings who knows how much dollars and then his name's Dirty Secret. Yeah. Thank you, Jason Lackey. I'll take that one. Yeah. It's pretty, <laughs> it's pretty neat. It's pretty neat. However, you do have to look at the impact he could have made. I mean, he's made an impact, but just the far reaching impact had he not died at a younger age. Oh, I know. I know. Well, and that's kind of like you talk about drop the mic as far as like breeding them. Like that one has had, and it continues like, I mean, so it's over a million dollar buck. I yeah. mean, why wouldn't you breed that one? Right, 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 right. So that's what I'm doing. It's my decision. I'm sticking with it. I like it. I wouldn't change a thing. Oh, good stuff. Thanks, Ashley. But let's get creative folks. Uh, her name is now in the hat. We've got a list build up here. Uh, episode 90, we're drawing one. And uh, we, we want creativity. It's coming up. All right. Well, Corey, the time has come to introduce Mr. Borg. Well, we're talking about a guy that grew up in a greenhouse. We're talking about a guy that has been involved in this industry haphazardly. One might say, he might even say that himself. A guy that didn't picture his life ending up raising show cattle for a living. But here he is, years later. He's got 61 heifers selling in a sale here next month. You're talking about a guy that's coached judging teams, that's worked in the trenches, that's evaluated the shows, that's bred the cattle, traveled the miles, and built a program. With his in-laws. We're talking about Mr. Jared Boyer. 
Well, Corey, this is a familiar voice for us. We've got Jared Boyer on the microphone, which uh, we know as Coach Boyer, but now not Coach Boyer. <laughs> so, uh, no, we're excited to talk uh, to Jared about uh, his sale coming up, along with some other really, really in-depth topics uh, that we're going to discuss. So, Jared, thanks for taking uh, time out of your very, very busy time to get those things ready and to chat with us here at Stock Talk. So to get started, man, just tell us a little bit about yourself and where you're from and, of course, what you do for a living. Awesome. No, I am. Uh, I was excited uh, to do it. I've listened to quite a few of your interviews. And um, <clears throat> first and foremost, um, not that I had a large part of your um, careers and stuff, but it does, uh, it does make, you know, me as a person uh proud that you guys kind of stepped outside of your box a little bit and kind of did something as neat as what you're doing and um i enjoy listening to a lot of them and i know you've had some of uh other teammates or people that uh potentially i coached when i was there in my four years at blackhawk and so um that was really really neat to hear from some of them and kind of what those people are doing and um gotta say my all-time favorite one was the one uh, you did at the World Pork Expo, the live one though with uh, Dan Hogue. I thought oh, yeah. that one was was awesome, <clears throat> just because uh, it was uh, kind of brought back almost like some memories of sitting in his animal science class and like that. That was the neat thing about it, because I think a lot of people obviously think of Dan as a great livestock judger, um, but uh, I think people really miss the boat on the fact that uh, he's probably one of the best educators that there is. So I thought that was really neat how you guys uh, made the platform for that and kind of had him talk. So my hat's off to you guys. You guys are doing a great job and uh, keep up the good work. I, I enjoy listening to it. So um, as far as for me, um, my name's Jared Boyert and um, I grew up in uh, uh, Northeast Ohio is uh, where I originated from. My family, uh, they own a greenhouse uh, there and uh, a retail facility. Which my fiance is absolutely addicted to, by the way. We only live an hour from there. We were talking off air about, uh, yeah, they, you take a lot of our money, and rightfully so. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I think uh, every time we go home, they take a lot of my money, too. Because <laughs> I tell my parents all the time, I'm like, man, I totally get how you get so many people to spend much money. Cause you're just like, you walk around and there's so many cool things. You're like, Oh man, that'd be sweet to have, or I'd, I'd like to have this. And then by the time you get done, you're like, Oh wow. Like this is, <laughs> this is up you know, pretty fast, you know, 10, $15 here and there. That stuff adds up pretty quick. Yeah, no doubt. No, I didn't mean to cut you off, but yeah, you're, you're, you're not investing in the business is all. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. After all those years of kind of, them investing in me i'm just i'm giving back no i i do get a kind of a family discount most times i have to sneak around and like pay because i feel guilty sometimes like <laughs> they're like i'll oh, just take it just take it but i'll go and like there'll be somebody there that doesn't know me because they just maybe started working and i'll kind of pay for a little bit here and there <laughs> so i do feel guilty sometimes but no uh grew up uh family has a greenhouse um i've got five brothers and sisters um and, uh, you know, we started all, I mean, I think since we were old enough to work in the greenhouse, I mean, it was, that's what we did. We filled flats and helped every, we pretty much did everything, 
uh, to the point to where the girls would go in and plant everything. So uh, we did a lot of that growing up. I do miss parts of it. Um, I enjoyed it. It is fun. It's neat. I, I wish I lived a little bit closer, but um, it's uh, it is it is pretty neat. Uh, you know, they started that in '87, and uh, it's still going today. And they say they're going to retire, but uh, I'd say it's going to be a long time before they do. I'd say they'll be there probably to the end because they love it just as much as when they started it and it's kind of it's neat for them so for me um you know growing up uh my dad they had a greenhouse my dad had a um we had 35 acres at the time um and he had some cows that he ran around just commercial cows um it's kind of funny because some of them back originally were kind of charlotte cross cows and um, that's something as later on in life that I kind of really got into with some of the Charlotte cattle. And so that's, uh, kind of what we had, we had 35 acres there. Their greenhouse sits on 13 acres. And, um, we, uh, went to the County fair one time. We had some friends that showed there and, uh, I led around a bucket calf for a really long time. Um, I think I was really hot. The calf was pretty much had his tongue hanging out and he was exhausted, but I just wanted to keep leading it. And I thought it was awesome. <laughs> got home from the county fair and I still remember this because uh, I was so jacked I was like dad we're gonna do this next year I want to go to the county fair and we had some calves that got out and I got them crowd in the barn and my idea of a gate was I took some bailing wire and I ran it across the boards to lock them in and I called my dad or not called because we didn't have really cell phones back then but went and got my dad and I was like hey I want to show one of these calves well at that time, he was just kind of like, well, if we're going to, if you want to show, I've got some friends I went to college with. He's an Ohio State alumni, Trevor. So uh, he was in the guest house. And um, so uh, we went and uh, I think that fall, we bought a shorthorn heifer from Tom Turner and uh, we bought a couple of steers from Bob Agel. And uh, so that's kind of how we got started showing um, my older brother and sister they had a steers that year and like i had this heifer um she was not very good but i really liked it i probably worked on their steers a little more than what they did and uh, i was so pissed at the county fair because i wasn't even old enough for 4-h but my sister got to show my heifer in the 4-h show and it like really pissed me off because <laughs> i couldn't i wasn't old enough to show but i got to show in the open show at the county fair and i did that for like two or three years and then finally was able to start um, showing and um, it's kind of the whole thing probably turned in from an overgrown uh, 4-H project basically but um, my uh, you know we did the whole we never had like a good cooler but we built it ourselves I the the way I got my dad convinced to get a cooler room was um, I had, there was an old shed that had a bunch of like flats and stuff like that in it for their greenhouse and they'd store them in there and I cleaned it all out. I burned them and I think we got the cops calling us because they're all plastic. So it was like <laughs> a huge black smoke pile. But um, I put my calf in there with a the fan on it, which there was, it was insulated, but there was no air conditioner. So it was like 95 degrees. <laughs> I mean, like, I don't know how I didn't kill But I told my dad, I'm like, look, I built me a cooler room. And he's like, you're gonna your calf's gonna die you need to take it out of here and so <laughs> we uh he let a lot of us uh, a lot like my brothers and sisters it was kind of growing up it was like 
hey, if you want to do it, do it. But like, you're going to do it. Like, hey, if you want a cool room, do it, but you're going to build it. And um, we had a kid that worked for us at the time of my parents, the greenhouse, but he took us to a lot of the shows when we were younger because my parents couldn't leave a bunch. So he was older than us. And he like taught us a bunch about like carpentry stuff. And we built a lot of our own stuff and our own fence. And um, that was probably the best thing that happened to me with my parents was just like, He's like, hey, if you want to do it, you do it, but you do it right. Don't quit, you know. And um, and so uh, <clears throat> that's kind of how we got started in the showing. Um, I would say like a pretty big turning point in like our show career of kind of taking the next step. We went to uh, Kate's Farms um, and we bought some shorthorn heifers from them and uh, we showed them and uh, we got along decent, not still, not very great. I think the first time we went to Louisville, I was last in class. Um, you know, but just, I remember my first time going to Louisville and, uh, just, it was overwhelming. I mean, at that time there was like seven, 800 shorthorns at that show. I mean, it was a huge, huge show. And I mean, we were in the back corner, you know, but I'd see guys get their calves and get up and they'd blow them off. And I'd be like, Oh yeah, I'm going to, you know, start doing this. I think I went through like two gallons of sheen that week. Cause I just kept putting sheen in my calves. And my dad's <laughs> like, you got to slow down, you know? Well, but, the Joe blow across uh, the road is doing it. I got to do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know? And so, um, you know, it kind of took off from there and we got to be really good friends with the Kate's family. And, um, I think we bought a heifer from them for 20 straight years is kind of wow. how I figured it. And and honestly, uh, towards the end, <clears throat> um, you know, towards the end of that, um, I was kind of old enough. I was in college and, and actually I was working there. Um, and I started to kind of buy some and my brothers and I started to buy some, um, you know, I think my dad, you know, when we were younger, he was buying them and he kind of got to a point where it's just like, man, I don't, you know, I think, I think more so like his, uh, his uh, banker was probably like, Hey, this is not smart. You're buying, you know, all these show efforts for your kids, you know, you, you got to make some return. And, uh, and then I think he kind of, he kind of phased out a little bit, you know, and that's when we started buying them ourselves. And, um, you know, and, and not that he didn't have interest in it, you know, he still really liked it and supported us and stuff like that. But, um, it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, you know, we got to a point, um, I went to college, uh, I left and, uh, my brother or Tyler Cates, actually, he was the one that kind of talked me into going to Blackhawk and he went on a, we went skiing one time and he went with my family on vacation and he said, what are you going to do? And I said, for college, and I'm like, I don't know. I, I really like to go to university of Kentucky. They got an awesome basketball team. And he's like, what you ever thought about judging? And I said, not really. I don't, I didn't even know what it was, you know? And, um, He's like, you ought to look into, you should go to either Blackhawk or Butler. And he's like, Dan Hogs at Blackhawk. I think he's a really cool guy. And I was like, you mean the guy? And I, I knew exactly who Dan was because like he, had, he was judging a lot in Ohio at that time too, you know. So is that the guy that like kind of walks around with like his arms kind of like jumped down? You know? He's <laughs> like, yeah, that's him. You know? And uh, I, it's, I had no clue who Dan was at the time um, other than I knew he judged and and, and, um, and he's like, and Chris Molnick is that Butler and, you know, he's a good guy and a good coach. And, um, you know, you should go check both those places out. So I left, I went by myself, I drove to Blackhawk and, uh, honestly, I never even went to Butler to visit, um, because 
I got the tour from Dan and I just like, man, this is a cool guy, you know? Um, and so I really liked Dan a lot. And I just said, you know what? Like, this is cool to me. It's a rural area. It's a small school. Like I'm going here, you know? And I, I never did even visit Butler and I, I wish maybe now looking back, I would have, but I was just so dead set that I was going to go to Blackhawk. And, um, so I ended up going there. I was on judging team. I had some awesome, awesome, uh, uh, classmates, um, that, uh, again, same thing. Like you just, you get, you're not, not so much, you're not proud of them because they're the same age as you, but like, it's just neat that like some of those kids that went to school with you at the same time, you know, looking now at it, you know, like Kyle Pullen, for instance, um, he was my roommate at both Blackhawk and Western and, uh, you know, Walton webcasting, which I know is a sponsor for you guys and stuff, but Kyle is a good dude. Um, very, very talented. And, you know, like he's so persistent about everything. It doesn't surprise me. He started, you know, the Walt webcasting thing and made it what it is today. Um, you know, like Colt Keffer was on my team and, uh, he's another person that like now I deal with a lot cause he's a Charlotte Fieldman and like I've dealt with a lot of those guys and you know, what's interesting to me or so cool to me, like he is really, really good at his job. Like he takes care, good care of it and it's neat. Uh, Zach Butler, you know, is on there and I mean, he raises some really good Gelbies and judges a lot and he's very, very talented. Um, he had a viral speech too here recently. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and that's, that's cool to me. And, uh, a very extremely passionate person. I make fun of him all the time, which I'm not going to say I don't ever get a little emotional in my speeches, but for as, uh, as hard ass as he acts, sometimes he gets real emotional sometimes. So <laughs> it's so funny, but you know, and, um, there's a lot, I, and I know I'm going to leave out somebody, you know, Ryan Malone and Chris Cassidy. I mean, and even like Brandon Friel, I mean, there was a lot of people, um, Kylie Willard, you know, and or now Kylie Denise, you know, that they went on after school and, you know, either went and got a master's and, and, and just, uh, they really, um, I think just, uh, it's neat to me what they have continued to do and they're still good, close friends. So I, I enjoyed my time at Blackhawk substantially. Um, after Blackhawk, I went to Western, um, and I had zero intentions. I was planning on going to Ohio state. Mark Hogue, you know, typical Mark calls me like middle of summer. He's like, you got to come to Western. And I was just like, all right, sounds good. You know, <laughs> nobody really ever recruited me out of Blackhawk. So I was just like, all right, sounds good. Uh, I went to Western. <clears throat> I enjoyed my time there. Mark, great, you know, teacher coach, uh, is a really, really good friend, uh, of mine. And, uh, it's, it was neat, uh, going there. And again, same, same atmosphere, a rural, small town, uh, area. And I really enjoy that part of it. Um, and, uh, I, uh, got through college, which when I graduated, my mom was like, you know, we're really proud of you. We didn't even think you were going to graduate high school. You know, <laughs> so, so I made it through college and I actually did better through college than I did in high school. My GPA was, it was a lot better as I continued through my my careers of, of schooling, I got better. I was a very poor high school student. I just, I just didn't like, uh, high school at the time. So, but, um, I enjoyed, uh, those two places, um, substantially. I wanted, you know, my, you know, like, just like everybody else that goes to college, I want to be a vet, you know, and, um, I, uh, I went and, uh, I was 
you know, took my test to get in. And I, that summer I went to Cates's and I worked for them and, um, they, at the end of the summer, they're like, what are you doing? What's your plans? And I was like, I don't know. I'd kind of like to go to grad school or vet school or something. Like, would you ever consider staying here full time? And, um, I thought, well, yeah, you know, I mean, it sounds good to me. And so I stayed there. I worked for Cates at the time, um, for two years. Um, my brothers and they were still showing, we were still just showing short horns at the time. Um, and probably got down a little bit on numbers. My brother, Jake, um, he was in, uh, in college and then Clayton, you know, he was in high school. I had another sister, um, who was a really good track and cross country runner. She's actually the coach at Oklahoma state now. And, um, you know, so they were younger, but I would say us three were probably the only ones maybe mostly invested or like the cattle thing. So we got down on some numbers and stuff. Um, and then I got a call from Dan and that's when Brian Arnold, um, you know, stepped down from coaching and he asked me, you know, would you ever be interested in coming back to coach? And, um, you know, I was just kind of like, Whoa, you know, like this is a, a neat opportunity. Um, so I decided, uh, I told them, I said, Hey, you know, I, I appreciate it. I loved every minute of it. And I'll tell you, um, a lot of what we do today, I probably, model a lot off what I learned at Cates in Indiana I mean as far as just stuff you can't learn what I learned there in a classroom and I know that's maybe a cliche thing to say but uh, I mean just herd health and just how to get cattle ready to sell and how to take care of customers and how to treat customers and uh, I mean it just it blows your mind and I mean they're very successful and there's been a lot of successful people that have worked there and then started their own you know, cattle operation. I, Tim Schaefer, I mean, he was there right before me. And I mean, you know, as well as I do, I mean, he's probably one of the premier places in the country that you can go buy cattle at. And, and I bet if you asked him same thing, you know, where did you learn this? I bet you a thousand dollars. He would mention Cates and just what he learned there. I mean, it's, it is a great atmosphere. It's a family farm. You know, they work together, they row crop a little, they make their money off row crop and they make their money off the cattle. Um, and they teach you a lot of things, common sense things, um, like, Hey, you can have everything big and fancy and new and build it, or you can find things to make things work and make, you know, and, and not spend a bunch of money, but yet it's still functional. And, um, that, that, that whole part of it, you know, was probably, uh, I learned so much from them. Uh, good friends with Tyler and, and Brian and Randy. And uh, I just, uh, I think a lot of those guys and have a lot of respect for them and what they do. And uh, so it was hard to leave there. You know, it was, it was cause I enjoyed it, but thought Blackhawk would be a great opportunity. I went back there. I started coaching and uh, you know, one thing about like Blackhawk and Western, when I spent my time there, there's a lot of good livestock breeders in that particular area. And I mean, I did a lot of work, um, you know, for those guys and had opportunities to work for them. And <clears throat> so it was good to come back to that area because I knew a lot of people already. Um, I started coaching um, and that first team I had, uh, <laughs> you know, it was, uh, it was a, it was a fun, fun team. And, uh, you know, they were wild. Um, they needed some taming down, but they had a lot of talent. And uh, we kind of got, I say, 
slack, but not really. I mean, we were still in the top five at the first two contests and I took him on a trip to Indiana. Um, and I said, Hey, we're going to go there. It's going to be just us. We're going to focus in and, and we're going to do what we can. And, and the neat thing about that trip, and I know I took your guys' team on that trip as well, is yep. going back to Gates, going to Tim's and going to some of those places right around there and just uh, neat to see all those operations. Um, and just, I always made sure, you know, tell us how you got started. And some of those stories, I think, stuck with me more than anything you know and so it was neat to for me to be able to take you guys along and and show you some of that but um i taught uh there at blackhawk for four years i got my master's uh in uh um ag, ag education um through the university of illinois and uh the day i graduated um from the university of illinois i stepped down from coaching uh and that's when I moved to Iowa, uh, which is where my wife Bailey is from. And um, she was uh, still in college. Uh, she was finishing up her last year and uh, we got engaged in that, that December. Um, and at that time, I think our first like sale was in 2014, 14. And so we didn't really have a lot of cow numbers at that time. We'd actually probably dwindled down. We, my brothers and I, when the cow market was like really good, we got rid of anything that we thought was junk. Didn't melt, bad feet. Um, we got down in numbers and then we kind of started to build from there. And um, at that time I had, you know, we started probably getting involved in a few other breeds um, and uh, started doing some Charlet stuff, started doing some Simi stuff. We still had some short horns and I think now, I mean, like our sale coming up, we got probably 11 different breeds. And, and, uh, so we have tried to just <clears throat> find cows that work in each breed and try to mate them accordingly. And it doesn't always work. And I know you guys probably know, cause you have livestock too. So there's a lot of trial and error and a lot of error, but, um, uh, we try the best that we can. And, uh, so I moved back here, um, and, um, uh, we got married and, uh, we have two, we had two little girls now, uh, Sloan is two and, uh, Brindle is, uh, three months now. So, uh, we are slowly, but surely filling the house, uh, up and, uh, it's fun. I enjoy that, um, part of it as much as anything. Um, and, uh, yeah, we just kind of been building, we bought some ground, uh, we build a, a barn house kind of type deal. So our house is in one end and then a barn on the other. And, um, it just, uh, one of those things that takes a lot of time. Um, we live right close to my in-laws. Um, and we're very fortunate. They help us out a bunch. Um, you know, being able to rent some ground and, uh, run some cows together. And, uh, we have about 120 cows here in, uh, Iowa. Um, my brothers have about 60, in Ohio and uh every year that you know we we do a lot together I mean they raise theirs out there I raise mine here and and then in the fall uh they'll bring their cattle out here um uh, stay for a month and we put our two sets of cattle together and we sell them in October so that's kind of where we're at now um and uh yeah so I'm actually uh I'm sitting in my truck my brothers are still finishing up with stuff here tonight and uh and uh 
they're I, I'd say they still probably got another hour of stuff to do. So we're we're a week away from the sale, so there's a lot going on. We can imagine. Well, I do enjoy seeing your Snapchat stories of Sloan riding in the tractor with you. It's highly entertaining. Uh, (laughs) But uh, no, we're we're uh, your past and history and story is just another incredible example of, you know, somebody that literally started from a 4-H project and has now, you know, pretty much built a, a living and a career off of something that they're passionate about within the show stock industry, which is super cool. And, and obviously Trevor and I, I, uh, I tell this story to anybody that, that really cares and it'll probably get brought up in a, in a later topic that we're going to talk about. But, uh, the only reason that I can halfway read cattle structure is because of you, because you literally <laughs> made a stand on a hill in the freezing cold snow and ice judging red Angus heifers. And every single one of us buried this one, and you ended up buying her, and I'm pretty sure that she went on to win some shows after you sold her or something like that. But you know, it, and it was because you kind of taught us how to read the humans. So that was Bucks in Iowa. It was a Red Angus heifer. Yes, yes, that, <laughs> I that, remember that, it. <laughs> that trip was miserable. It was a cold day. It was, it a cold was extremely. Day. Learned a lot, though. Learned a lot. Quick break in the action, folks. You guys know what that sound means. It's legacy livestock imaging. Heidi Anderson and Charles Anderson are sweeping the country, taking photos of your livestock, your seniors, or your family, or your wedding. They can do it all. Not only are they capturing what's beyond the lens, but they have a full store of prints that you can purchase, and they're amazing. So head to LegacyLivestockImaging.com and not only book your session with Legacy Livestock Imaging, might as well purchase a print while you're there. Thanks to our folks at Legacy Livestock Imaging for all you do. Heidi and Charles, you guys are awesome. Let's get back to Andy Rash. Okay, let's let's dive into uh, something you just brought up, which towards the end there, which was um, kind of the the Boyert Core merger, um, because you know for the longest time it was just you and your brothers, and then moving to mm-hmm. Iowa and and kind of working with your in laws really kind of sparked this this kind of merger of the Boyert core brand that you guys have now so um how did that happen um why did you do it and then the biggest question of all what's it like running an operation with your in-laws um yeah so like i said like when i was in coaching and doing all that you know my brothers one was in college one was in high school so we kind of, like I said, we, we cut back on numbers and, um, but we were still raising some and, um, you know, I, I never really thought about honestly, you know, doing this for a living. Um, and that year we had some nice heifers and we just sold them privately, um, to a couple people and, uh, we helped them and, and they did well. And, um, you know, my brothers and I, we got talking a little bit, um, and when I say we doing all the numbers, I mean, we probably had 20 cows in Ohio and, um, I mean, 20 cows in Ohio, maybe there was 20 in Iowa and, uh, I had been making a lot of trips out here to Iowa and stuff. And, uh, I spent a summer out here. Um, and, uh, <clears throat> I, uh, um, I, you know, just talking to my brothers, I said, man, we, we should do a, online sale you know we can put some heifers together and and what we raise and what my in-laws raise and we'll do in iowa 
And uh, at the time I was at Blackhawk. Um, so it kind of made sense. And where we live in Northeast Ohio, I mean, it's like, you're coming to our place and that's it. You know, we're so far Northeast. And uh, so we thought if we brought him to Iowa, uh, traffic would be a little better. Um, so that was kind of how it got started was the main reason was just, there's more traffic out here. Um, so we started it, uh, out here and, um, you know, um, and we're in a great location. I mean, there's a lot of people in this area that people come look at. I mean, you got, uh, there's Craig Moffat. He's got Angus. There's, and I know I'm going to leave somebody out, but, um, you got, Wade Rogers, that's 40 minutes east of us. Nolan Ferguson, 40 miles east of us. You got Tracy Gretzka just south of us. And then you got Ty Webster just a little south of that. Um, you know, and, and I, like I said, I know Alan McDaniel. I mean, there's a lot of people right in this small area that have some sales. And so people are out traveling. And, and I would say we're all pretty much similar in terms of like when our sales are, they're kind of the same time. So I think we kind of get some traffic from each other and, it makes it fun and neat, um, you know, from that standpoint. And that was one of the biggest main reasons why we had it out here. Um, that first sale, I think we had like, I want to say 17 heifers on the sale. The next year there was like 29. The next year there was 30 some. Um, and then we got to 50. Um, and then this year we're at 61 and this is the most we've ever had. And I mean, we start, as soon as it gets a little light outside we're feeding and somebody's washing already and someone's feeding and then i mean we pretty much every day try to get through all 61 of those and we got a couple big heifers and a bull that we're working on too and so i mean it's all day every day it's long and you're usually on the phone most of the time <laughs> you know i feel bad sometimes because people call and they want to know about cattle you're usually on a wash rack holding the blower and i know they can hardly hear me but i mean it's just there's a lot of stuff that we have to do in a day and so we kind of plug along um and my brothers they come out for a month with their cattle and they stay and they help uh, jake and clayton and then uh, my mother-in-law um she's out a bunch too and she helps a lot um and then honestly like when bailey or my father-in-law mark they get home from work i mean they they come out my sister-in-law kennedy um, you know, she comes out on weekends and, and helps too. And so, I mean, it, it's the neat thing about it. And I, when we have a couple of people that come in and help, I, I got Jeremiah Cups from Kentucky that's been helping us, um, here and, uh, Casey Martin is here for a while, but, um, we have people that come in and help because sometimes it is nice to be able to talk to people when they come and, you know, you're not just holding the blower. And, um, but, uh, you know, majority of it is probably, you know, our two families that do most of it. Um, and, and honestly, it helps us a lot on labor and, and things like that too, because, um, you know, we're kind of put the time and the effort into it and, and everybody kind of has a job, you know, my mother-in-law right now, you know, she checks all the cows and the bulls and things like that while we start rinsing and feeding. And, you know, one of my brothers is one usually always feeding. Um, and so it's, it, it's a well-oiled machine it works well. Um, you know, like anything you work with your family and I mean, you have disagreements and, you know, but, uh, you know, the one thing I think that is good about that is, um, I think everybody obviously has a mutual respect for each other and we get over it pretty quick and, um, and we continue to kind of roll on. But, uh, I mean, it's just like anything else. I mean, you know, there's always, we should do this or we shouldn't do this or, you know, this and that, but, 
I'd say for the most part, uh, we're all on pretty much the same page. Um, I think that's what makes it really work. Um, but, um, yeah, so we started that, we started building kind of our cows. And like I said, we got 60 in Ohio, there's 120 out here. Um, and, uh, you know, I know that's, that's not a lot, but I mean, it's a lot for us. I mean, for the ground that we have and, and what we try to do. And I would say, and I've thought a lot about this, um, from the standpoint of, do we continue to try to increase cow numbers? Um, or do we stay where we're at and just really micromanage the heck out of them as much as we possibly can? And I know, you know, there's a lot of guys, they'll put a round of eggs in and kick bulls out, you know, but they have 300 cows. So it makes a little more sense for them to do that with us. The number of cows, I mean, you know, we'll start calving in January and we'll recycle them cows, you know, try to calve again in January. And if they don't, I'll recycle them again for, you know, late February. And if again, if they don't, I'll give them two, two or three tries. If it's a good recip cow and she has a good calf, I might give her three tries. If it's a bad recip cow, I usually get rid of them. But, um, you know, we recycle them as much as we can. And obviously there's always a cutoff point where it's like, Hey, we don't really want to have, you know, calves much after May 10th. I mean, that gets to be pretty late and hard to get them ready for our sale, mm-hmm. um, in the fall. But, um, you know, it was kind of at that point, like, do we continue to get more cows or do we just really micromanage the ones that we have? Um, and, uh, and, you know, we do a lot of IVF, we do a lot of flushing, we use a lot of sex semen. And, you know, my goal is not to make bulls. I mean, I, I have some every year. I, I mean, our donor cows calve once a year, and I'm a firm believer in that. Um, I think it just prolongs their life just a little bit. So we try to get them to calve once a year, flush them as much as we can put embryos in. Um, and the neat thing about that, like, I've got a lot of natural calves on our sale out of our donor cows. Um, and I, I like, that they calve once a year for me because if they can't raise a calf uh and they don't breed or you know i i just i don't see the sense of flushing them like it's it's pointless to me because i know we raise and our focus is show heifers um but and i think that's the misconception with a lot of people that just raise show cattle it's like oh well they just have show cattle they won't make cows well uh, that's huge to us and that's one big thing i think we put a big emphasis on like Hey, we want them to show as good as possible and we want them to be competitive, but I also want those people to be able to have something when they're done and I want them to make cows. Huh. It doesn't always work out that way. You know, yeah, I mean, you can't make a living off of it. Like, you know, <laughs> if you're, if you're planning on just flush and flush and flush and never knowing how that they're going to yeah. actually work as a cow. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, exactly. And, and that's big for us. Um, you know, those cows, they, they got to work. I mean, our donor cows don't get special treatment. They run in the same pasture as our other cows. And, um, and so, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't make mention, um, when I was first starting Blackhawk, I didn't have a lot of money. Um, and, uh, I took the judging team. So the neat part of being a judging coach is you can go to cattle places where you want to potentially buy cattle. And, uh, so, we were on our way to South Dakota state and, uh, we were going to judge some of the, the cattle and sheep from their state fair. And on the way back, we stopped at Sullivan's. Um, and I found a heifer that I liked and I actually went up and I think I looked at her like three times. I didn't have a lot of money. <clears throat> I was bidding on her. Um, I bought her for $3,500. 
And this is the, this is the donor cow now that we call Tammy. And, uh, she was, that was my last bid. I told, I was on the phone with Josh Elder. I'm like, whoever's bidding against me, please tell them to stop. I really want this effort. <laughs> like I, I can't go anymore. And, uh, I actually bought her for Bailey. It was her last year, Sean. And, uh, uh, brought her home and she was like extremely fat. Um, and, uh, we just kicked her out on a round bill and, um, uh, we took her to one show that heart of it all show in Lima. And, uh, um, I, the first person that I was ever like, man, this effort's really nice was actually Taylor Schwartz. He was there and he kind of asked what she was and stuff. And, um, Bailey showed her, she was reserved at the Iowa beef expo. And at the time, uh, John Sullivan, he, uh, it was like, a month after the Iowa Beef Expo, he sends me a invoice and I, I open it up and it was for $30,000. And like, I was like, Oh crap. Like that was when online sales were starting to get something. And I was just like, you know, I was always on there. I do a little sport bidding every now and again, you know, you try to buy something here or there. And I'm like, Oh crap. I, I bought a $30,000 heifer off this sale. I'm like, I didn't even realize it. So I called him and I'm like, Hey, I guess got an invoice from you for $30,000. And he said, yeah, that's for the heifer you bought for too cheap. I just figured now that she was reserved at the Iowa beef expo, you know, you just owe me that. And it was funny. It was neat. And he actually offered to buy her back for me. And I turned him down because I said, look, I got $3,500 in this animal. (laughs) Um, I was like, I bought it for a cow and that's what I want to do with her. And, uh, that cow has, I don't care what you made her to, like, she just does an awesome job. And she is, like, just the per, I mean, stays in good flesh, awesome uttered. I mean, she's, like, so awesome when we flush her. And I was, uh, my brothers actually run her in Ohio. And I was home one time. They were getting ready to flush her, so they were giving her shots. And they said, just go out there and give it to her right in the pasture. I'm like, bullshit. You, there's no way. And, uh. So my brother, Jake, he takes a shot. He walks out there, walks, throws a flake of hay on the ground, walks right behind her, sticks her, gives her the shot and walks away. I'm like, I mean, like now she is obviously my most favorite cow. You you can walk up to her in the middle of the pasture, give her a shot and she don't move, you know? And, uh, that cow has done a lot for us. Um, you know, like this summer she had the third overall heifer at key junior nationals, um, Kathy Lehman has showed a couple. I think she had reserve grand at Ohio State Fair with one. She was reserve low semi in Denver this year with one. Um, you know, they just, the Hogs, they showed one a couple years ago, which is now kind of kind of becoming uh, one of our better donor cows that we have. She's got a couple heifers in the sale. But like that Tammy cow, I think there's 19 heifers on our sale coming up that are out of that cow. Wow. And, hey. um, yeah, in the in Derbyshire's, uh, they had a really nice one there last year that's done well, and uh, she's just an awesome cow. Um, I'm glad that's one of those things. Like you look back, you're like, man, I'm glad I didn't sell her, you know, because at the time I didn't have much money, and I'm like, I I thought about, it. I'm like, man, I could really use this money. It'd be awesome, and I was just like, nope, I'm gonna keep her. I got, you know, she's a cow, and and it's neat because she's only people are like, well, what are some of her daughters doing? And I'm like, well she's really only seven 
you know, the first kind of ET daughter's four and she's kind of already generated some stuff that's done some winning and sold good. Um, and then next year I'll have some calves out of another set of daughters. So, um, you know, she generates, um, some of the daughters are starting to generate. Um, and that has probably been a big, uh, a big thing for our sale. Um, is just that cow's done a really nice job and, uh, you know, that has able and enabled us to grow, you know, buy more cows and kind of, you know, some of the progeny that we've sold, um, pretty much all the money we make off of our sale, uh, it goes right back into us building. I mean, I mean, it's, uh, it's, you sit there and you're just like every year, it's just like, you take that money and you buy more cows, you know, right. and, or you take that money, you, you try to find more ground or, you know, do some things like that. And, and, and I think everything that we do, I mean, it's that money, it just basically gets put back into continue to build and, and continue to go. And when we first started, you know, I would say we were 50, 50 on stuff we raised or stuff we brought in to sell. Um, and I would say this year on our sale, we have 61 head and I think five of those heifers, uh, we didn't, we didn't raise, you know, um, the rest of those, you know, 50 some heifers, um, we either raised here in Iowa or Ohio. And, and that's really was our goal when we started was to get to a point where we raise majority of our cattle that we put on our sale. So um, when, when and where is that sale? Uh, it's in Iowa at my, uh, so, uh, it, we actually have it at my in-laws place, um, right outside of Pleasantville, Iowa. And, um, it is October 8th this year. So gotcha. Uh, all right. So with that, uh, I've, this is all really, really interesting stuff. I want to break down just a little bit further, finding that quote unquote Tammy cow for somebody listening. So what, when you went to Sullivan's and got out of the judging van and you saw that, that heifer at the time, break down maybe her and some other ones that you've seen adding to your herd. How do you evaluate those cattle for future cows and show heifers that you can potentially make a piece that that is a genetic progress. So, I mean, it can be as far as physical appearance or maybe who bred it, what, whatever your thought process is. Tell our listeners maybe how you evaluate those cattle for future value. Oh, boy, that's hard. I mean, I mean, I can sit there and tell you that, like, I bought that cow and I look really smart. But, I mean, I've also bought some, too, that, you know, that never did much either. You know, I mean, they're, they're, I mean, it's just, it's just like everything, you know, you try to get pieces that, uh, you know, that you can build off of. And I would say one thing that, um, as I went through it all, you know, some of those ones that, um, and this is just me and, and I know they can work, but like I said, I mean, if they can't raise a calf on their own, like I, I lose interest extremely fast. Like, if they can't do it as a cow, um, I lose interest substantially. And it's just because I, I don't want to make that type of animal. And I know sometimes to make those freaks and sometimes to do those types of things, like, Hey, I, I get that. And I know that there are some that, that can do that. But, um, I, um, that is one big thing. Like on that one there, I mean, like I said, I, I knew, she was kind of slick haired at the time, but she had like 
three inches of ear hair. And I'm like, man, this thing's going to be hairy at some point in time. You know, she was huge bodied and massive. She was probably a little too fat. And so she looked a little plain, um, but she was so loose built and loose structured and good footed. And I was just kind of, you know, I, I, and like, again, I had to kind of try to find something that I could afford, you know? And I mean, there was other heifers in that sale. Like I would have probably have liked to have bought, you know? Um, but I knew obviously like, Hey, those things look like they're ready to sell today. And like, I knew I wasn't going to be able to afford them, you know? So you, I had to kind of real, look. you would have got a real $30,000 invoice. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> you know, and so you just gotta like, you know, and at that time, you you know, you, and I, I'm still that way. Like, and my brothers are probably, my brother, Jake, he's, he's about as frugal as they come. You know, I mean, he's, you know, he like quivers at the knees if he's got to bid 5,000, you know, and I, and that's a lot of money. I mean, I'm not saying it's, it's not, I mean, it is. Um, but, um, you know, I, and, and it's good. I think it's, that's one thing that's what's good about like us is, um, you know, like, and I mean, we, we have bought in donor cows, like proven donor cows, and we've given, given a lot of money for them. Um, and, but I mean, they're, they're proven. And I think one thing that we really look at when we're buying cattle or embryos or whatever, or using bulls that we want to use, like cow families are extremely big to us. Um, you know, we want to be able to, you know, if we're going to use a bull and, you know, it's out of a cow that we really like, we're probably more apt to use that bull. Mm. You know, if we find a bull that, you know, the cow families and what the cow looks like, um, and the generations that have produced that particular animal, I would say we look at probably a lot more than anything. Um, because I do think there's cows that don't ever get showed that, you know, genetically have some value. And, and maybe there's one little teeny thing wrong with them, or maybe they're a little plainer necked, but you know, you can go find a bull. If they have that genetic power behind them, you can usually find a bull to compliment them, you know, and, and fix some of those errors. Not always. And I bought some on that, you know, too, where, you know, I'm like, I think I could take this home and breed with this bull. And, you know, and I would say a lot of the times when we do buy something, um, we probably have something in mind that we're going to, you know, already make that animal to, um, before we do and and i personally like buying heifer calves better um just because you see them when they're young and what they look like and how they mature um and i think that helps out a little bit with uh making some breeding decisions we do have bought some cows you know you know through some sales and um you know things like that but again you know if we buy a cow an older cow or something like that you, you know, you want to make sure that they've kind of generated at that point, you know, you're buying an older cow. So, you know, you know, you're going to buy her, you're going to calve her and you're going to start flushing her. And so you kind of want to have a little bit of a plan to put into place, um, as far as that goes. But, um, yeah, I mean, and like I said, we, we got into the Charlays. we actually went to Thomas's dispersal and, uh, we had a good sale and it was like, we had a Charlay heifer that was a high seller. Uh, we bought those embryos from uh, Kim Kudrin, Kim Schwecky now, um, which you guys probably know Zach Schwecky was through the pig thing. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, we, we like, we really liked the Charlays and we went to Thomas's dispersal and I think we bought 10 cows and 
couple pregnancies and uh we we actually uh, we bought uh, a bull called outsider out of that dispersal sale and um um and like that bull like there again um he's done a lot of good uh for the charlet breed um you know a lot of those genetics i think are doing really well and, and we got lucky, but at the same time, we probably had, we had good people kind of help, um, you know, funnel us in the right direction. You know, I mean, I know there's a saying, you surround yourself with good people and you'll be successful. And, and I, that's another thing, like, it's no different than when you buy a cow, you know, good genetics, things like that. Same thing with people, like you want to surround yourself with people that, um, you know, can help and pitch in and, um, you know, give you good guidance. And, and there's a lot of people in the, um, cattle business that I would say, and I, I don't even want to mention any of them because I know there's so many people from my college years uh, that allowed me to help them to even now, you know, just you get the opportunity to work with people. And, and that's probably one of the neatest things. Like there's still a lot of people that I would really love the opportunity to get to know that I'm respect so much in this industry that I don't I've never really had an opportunity to sit down and have a conversation with them but you know you see their cattle year in and year out and they're really really good uh it's just you're always so busy you don't get that opportunity and um I look forward you know you know I know know that sounds kind of weird or creepy or whatnot but you know there's people like you respect a lot like your Michael Jordans that you just um you want to continue to build relationships and meet and, and learn from them. And, and I think my brothers and I, um, we really tried to, um, continue to do that. And even to this day, I mean, I still, you know, just as you dabble in some other breeds and you don't have the numbers, you know, you try to model off of what those guys that are successful in those particular breeds are doing. You know, sometimes I feel like I'm, five years behind them because by the time a bull gets popular i'm like oh yeah i'm gonna use this on this breed now well then they're already off to the next thing you know and that's that's probably the biggest challenge on some of those breeds we don't have a lot of um is just staying current and keeping up with the times because you know by the time you have 11 different breeds of cattle it's really hard to you know keep up to date on all 11 breeds you know we try the best that we can um but uh it is challenging you know and 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 we really focus on our charlets uh pretty heavily um you know our half blood simis stuff is is really good um you know i'd say in the next couple of years we're trying to do a little bit more purebred stuff we're trying to do a little more angus stuff um, my in-laws have bought some really nice angus donor cows um and so uh you know it's trial and error it's like anything else and uh you just kind of keep plugging along and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. No doubt about that. So Trevor, uh, go ahead and lead us into our next segment. Yeah, this is, I'm really interested to get your take chair. This is what we call the breakdown. The breakdown. Brought to you by Brad Howe Ford in Kokomo, Indiana. And of course, they've got award-winning customer service. If you're looking to get a new truck, new SUV, new car, whatever it is, you need to go to Brad Howe Ford in Kokomo, Indiana. Corey, what are we breaking down? All right. 
JB, we got a Facebook listener submission this week that I think is very fitting for you to answer, considering you have worked with a lot of young, successful showmen out there. So this listener submission comes from Callie. She sent us a Facebook message and, uh, you know, she kind of notes that her young show career has been pretty successful um, and, and that she's she started winning uh, a lot, was fortunate to win a lot when she was younger and uh, seems like as a pretty successful exhibitor, a lot of adults or other showmen don't seem to want to build relationships with her. So she feels like she's kind of, you know, out there on her own. Uh, she doesn't know if they're intimidated or jealous or maybe just don't like her because she wins. Um, what what kind of effect do you think this type of culture, uh, although I don't think is super out there all the time, but it is uh, realistically, what kind of effect do you think this has on the expectations of a person's show career from winning so much at a young age uh, and then having to to work through some of those relationship challenges? Well, that's a tough question. Um, and partially because I didn't win Jack as a kid, <laughs> you know. So, uh, I mean, I didn't, I didn't win anything. Um, I mean, I stood in the bottom of my class a lot of times. Um, towards the end, my my biggest accomplishment was my last year showing. I was twenty one. I had reserve bread known at Junior Nationals. Like that was my biggest accomplishment. Um, my brother, Jake, he did a little more winning. And then my brother Clayton, you know, at that point we didn't have all the answers, but he was showing a couple different breeds and, you know, he had some success, not, not a lot, but he had some success. Um, so that's a really tough question, um, for me to probably answer. And I don't probably necessarily have the answer to that. Um, if I had any advice, um, it would be, um, you know, obviously I don't know if she's raising them or whatnot, but, uh, you know, obviously the people that, you know, whatever breed she might be showing, um, you know, I think sometimes that works a little bit both ways. And I, and honestly, I'm a little, little bit that way, as far as just like, if I know you, I can have a good conversation, joke around, like, like to have fun. I can talk a lot. Um, but if I don't really know you, um, and that, I know this sounds kind of weird, but like, I get a little nervous sometimes, uh, talking. And I, I always remember the story cause it's really funny, but I was miles tenuous. I was telling him this one time I was coaching at Blackhawk. He was helping Mark Hogue at Western and we were at Oklahoma state and we were working out and I was telling him, like, I was telling him how, like, when I meet new people, sometimes I, I have a little anxiety. Like, I don't know what to say. I don't want to be awkward. You know, I want to want to have a good conversation, but I, I, I don't want to sound like an idiot. Um, and uh, I didn't, like at the time, I didn't know Brandon Callis very well. And uh, he came up and he was talking to Miles and I and we had a good conversation. And, uh, you know, he walks away and, and I looked at Miles and he's like, what do you think? How, how do you think that went? You know? And I was like, no, it was good. It was good. You know, joking. He was joking. <laughs> you know, you guys know, you guys know miles. You know? And, uh, I like left a big sigh of relief. Like, you know, I think that went well, you know? And, and, uh, <laughs> but you know, at the time I didn't really know 
Brandon that well, I guess is what my point is. And so like, I get kind of nervous around people I don't know because, um, you know, you don't want to offend anybody or you don't want to come up like a jackass or anything like that, you know? Um, especially, but, um, especially those like successful people in the industry that you look up to. Right. Right. You know? Yeah. You know, you, you want them to, you know, be like, man, that's a good person, you know, <laughs> when they walk away and, and, uh, you know, obviously, you know, there's probably times where people have been like, uh, I don't know about that kid. You know, he's always, you know, our family, we're huggers, you know, we like to hug people. And so, um, you know, they're kind of, there's probably times, man, that guy's weird as shit, you know, <laughs> but, um, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't really know how to answer. I, I would say that, um, honestly, I, I think, um, you know, don't look into it too much. I mean, I, I don't think maybe necessarily that's the case and I, and yeah, sure. I can see if you are winning a lot. Yeah. I mean, there might be people, I mean, it's just like anything, you know, if you win a lot, people probably, you know, they get, they do maybe get a little jealous, but maybe not always either, you know, I mean, um, yeah. And uh, I'll add a little bit to that too, uh, because this has been something that has been on my mind a lot, not, not anything personally or whatever, but you see a lot of successful exhibitors and like, that's why we do this thing is to win. Like, why the hell would you pull a calf in the ring to be second? So when, when you accomplish that and there's gotta be a sense of, of like congratulations and go and go shake their hand. Uh, But when you're on the halter of that winning calf or wherever, wherever it's at, people are looking to see how you react. And, uh, sometimes yeah. we have to kind of make it look like we've been there before and you know, you, you're happy, you're humble, you're whatever, but you don't want to be boisterous and, and overexcited because then that, when that's when people start shying away from you. And I, I think another thing is too, uh, maybe Callie listening to this is if you are continue to be successful and you win repeatedly, don't be too proud to share your knowledge and advice with somebody that maybe isn't or just sim- yeah, simply exactly. helping helping out at the show or or being you know being with everybody else because I think at times it may seem like those quote unquote successful exhibitors are out on their island because all oh, they win all the time and they don't have any time for us but if you go out of your way to talk to people and you you, you help people and you share advice and it, there's no secrets here. Let me help you. Then all of a sudden, oh, well, he's actually not an asshole. He's just wins a lot. <laughs> you know, it's like it, yeah. he's a hard worker. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I'm no longer jealous of him. He just works harder than I do. You know? <laughs> yeah. So I don't yeah, know. That's I, just that's just an interjection there. It just kind of something I thought of. No, very true. I I, I agree with you. Like I said, that was a that's a hard question for me to answer, but um, no, I, I think what you said is kind of hits the nail on the head for sure. Yeah. So, well, and and I guess Jared, I'll probably piggyback a little bit off what you were you were saying too. Is you know, and and, and Trevor too, but like if you if you learn how to win, and you and you win the right way with some class, and you don't you know do it arrogantly and you still just kick back and have a good time, like the same person that got 10th, you know, be, be an approachable person. I'm I'm a big, I'm a big person on, on body language and just how you, how you carry yourself. And 
if you carry yourself like, and I'm not saying that you do this by any stretch, Miss Callie, but you know, if you carry yourself like an arrogant snob, that's going to win everything and you're better than everybody else. And people probably don't want to come talk to you. I mean, there's a lot of people that go out and win big shows and you see them back at the stalls picking, you know, whether they're picking poop or blowing their heifers off or whatever. And they still look approachable because, you know, they're nose down and they're working or maybe they're just standing around having a conversation with somebody, but you know, don't, don't, uh, I, I wouldn't also take that to heart as well. If people don't want to come talk to you because you won or you, they don't feel like you're approachable because you're better than everybody. It kind of goes back to Jared's point of it can be intimidating for a lot of people. And that's something that we've tried to talk people through is, is something that Trevor and I have found extremely valuable to us over the course of, you know, being involved in this industry is don't be afraid to go talk to somebody. Right. I mean, it, it might, it might tear your anxiety up or you might be pretty nervous to do something or say something dumb, which in some cases you're going to, and you're going to be a little embarrassed, but you know, the next time you talk to that person, you'll, you'll know how to approach the situation a little bit better. So I, that, that would be my suggestion too, is if they're not coming to you, go to them. And I think the, the, yeah. the last part of her question about winning young is, you know, those kids have got to learn that when they do lose, that that's it's actually more normal to lose than it is to win all the time, and some of those yeah. kids can get so used to being successful and where's my banner at that it comes off a little little cocky and arrogant, although they're not. So I guess it's both sides of that coin. Is if you do if you're a nine year old, ten year old, eleven year old, and you're pulling calves in and you're winning and pulling them out and bring me another one, go get another one. It's not like that for everybody, and uh, I guess you know, learn the the full scope of the full grind. I guess. Yeah, yeah, and like when you when you were just saying that, like one thing that um, comes to mind, and like um, this is a and this uh, like this has stuck with me for a really long time, but like Marco judged the. Uh, Iowa State Fair Steer Show a couple years ago. I think I think he judged it. Um, can't I can't remember if it was. I'm pretty positive it was him. I, I maybe it wasn't. I don't know. I watched the steer show, and uh, um, it was a really good class of steers. And um, Macy Gretzka had a steer in there, and um, you know, obviously her dad is like Michael Jordan of the show steer world. Like he's, he's a stud and, uh, you know, he's ringside, she's showing. And I watched that and her steer in that class, I don't know how he did, but he was obviously not in the top five. And I, I honestly, I don't want to say this cause I don't really know. I think he was like towards the bottom of the class. Right. And like, you could tell, like I watched her demeanor, like, cause I just wanted to see, because obviously, you know, her dad sells steers that are very competitive in that state year in and year out, Kansas city, Louisville, Denver. I mean, like you name it. And I watched her demeanor and like, you could tell, like she was almost a little uncomfortable. Like she was like so far down the line and like, she wasn't, she didn't like show emotion. Like I'm pissed, you know, or this or that, but like almost like, Oh shit. Like, this isn't good, you know, and 
you could tell she was a little nervous and I'll never forget this. Cause like she came out of the ring and like, he was kind of like, Hey, you know, like he wasn't mad. He wasn't nothing. The next year she comes back and I can't, I can't remember. Right? She was either champion or reserve steer the next year. And like, I don't, and I know that's a really weird story, but I remember watching that and um, like, you know, that stigma, like with her family, like they do well, you know, and, and the way that she handled that. And I know this probably sounds weird. And if she's listening, she's probably gonna be like, wow, this is really weird <laughs> that he remembers it. But like, that's kind of stuff. Like those are the kind of people, like, I'm like, Hey, like, that's cool. Like you, you lost gracefully. And then the next year you came back and whipped everybody. Like, that's cool to me, you yep. know? And, um, uh, and I know that's like kind of, a little off topic but like what you were just talking about kind of reminded me a little bit of that and and like like you said like hey if you win win gracefully if you lose lose gracefully but come back and try to be better you know and and that's what we always try to do and um hey there's times where i leave a show and i really really try um even though you might be frustrated and you might be upset and i know It is very easy to be a sore loser. Um, It's very easy. And I try my hardest. And, you know, like you said, we're all competitive people. We all want to win. We all want to do good. And, you know, if we weren't doing it, like if if you're not a competitive person, then why are you doing it? And, uh, you know, you you try your hardest because there's a lot of young people around there, like some of the families that buy cattle from you or sheep or hogs or whatever. They're watching you, too, you know you know there's they want you to complain with them you know and Mm. i really i really try to watch what i say you know and 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 sometimes i'm i'm not the best at it either you know like i'll fully admit sometimes you get frustrated and you say things that you don't mean it's no different than when you get in an argument with your wife or husband or you know your brother or your sister you know you say things you don't mean i mean how many times when you're a kid you told your brother or sister like i wish you weren't my brother or sister you know <laughs> you didn't mean that you know but like you know you said it you know and, and i mean it's human nature that that we get we're competitive enough that um you know you say things sometimes you don't mean but i i really try my hardest you know, sometimes to refrain from doing that, because like you said, there, there's always people watching you, you know, um, to see how you react and see how you, um, you know, take the winning and the losing. Mm-hmm. Yep. No That's doubt. Good That's good stuff. Well, I, uh, I, I've been notified. I'm, I'm stuck with the last question, but before we get to the last question, let's do a quick, another quick pub for the sale. It's coming up soon. You said October 8th at the farm. Is it, There's an online option too, I assume? Yep, online. Yep, online with uh, SC Online Sales. Okay, <clears throat> SC Online Sales, October 8th, 8th Blurt Core. 61 heifers. If you can't find one there, good luck. I don't know <laughs> if you're going to go. Uh, so be looking keep for that. Keep, keep plugging that. I like hey, that. Hey, listen. Listen, we'll just take, you know, 2% for stock talk. Are you ready to take your marketing and design to the next level? 
Corbell Marketing and Design is a livestock-savvy marketing agency that will get you thinking out of the box. Every first-time customer can get 15% off if you mention Stock Talk Podcast. Visit ChooseTMD.com today. The difference is in the details. Well, this is this is the last one we got for you, JB, and, and we we seriously do. It, it's been been fun to get to catch up with you. I know we don't get to as much. Sometimes we see you at shows and stuff. We have a chance to talk for a little bit, but um, you know, wa- watching you post Blackhawk, obviously, because that's where you know it ended for us. You know, as far as our time spent together with you know me and Trevor and and, and you and the rest of the team. Um, it, it's been really fun because in a way I know you've watched us grow up, but we also got to see you start a family and get married and, and, and work your way through this cattle industry. It's been, it's been pretty cool for us too. So, um, last question we got for you, what lessons has the show stock industry taught you? Uh, a lot, a lot. Um, just like anything, I mean, that you do. I mean, um, the most important thing that I can give anybody advice is, um, that your family and friends are your, your cornerstone. And, um, you know, like my times going through Blackhawk coaching or, or being a student or Western, or even now with the families that we sell cattle to, um, you know, probably one of the neatest things like i don't listen i don't i don't miss listening to a hundred sets of reasons in a night but i miss interacting with young people that are passionate about the livestock industry whether it's sheep hogs goats you know all those people that you know were there when i was there i love catching up with them you know at shows like this weekend uh just up at the world beef expo kip wallace you know he was up there and um uh, you know just talking to him a little bit about kind of what he's doing now and um you know i I enjoy that part of it and uh and i enjoy as we all progress into doing what we like and we love and whether it's livestock industry whether it's just you know hey i i I stepped away from it yeah eventually i want to bring my kids back and show but right now i'm going to focus on this or whatever i enjoy that part of it and and the neat thing is some of those kids i've got the opportunity um to work with even now you know on on buying and selling some cattle and doing some things like that um and so you know every part of um the opportunities that i've had i've tried to take away you know, something from it that, um, you can learn from and, Hey, I've made a lot of mistakes and I've done a lot of things that I probably looking back now, I wish maybe that, um, I would have done differently. Um, you know, there's, there's no doubt about it. Um, but, uh, you know, I am extremely fortunate to have an awesome wife, um, who takes care of me and my two little girls and, you could probably group us all together as children because I think she thinks that about me a lot of the time, but, uh, you know, I mean, it, it is awesome. And, and my parents and just how fortunate I am to have parents like I do. And, um, you know, we're always really supportive of what we did. I mean, my mom made me join choir and I was the only person 
I think, in the history of our high school to get a D in choir. Like, I'm a terrible <laughs> singer. And, like, and she wouldn't let me quit ever. And I was like, this is the worst thing ever. Like, why, why are you making it? It was either join choir or play an instrument. And I was not about to play an instrument. So, you know, it, like, just the things, you know, it's just like, hey, if you're going to start something, you're going to finish it. If you're going to do something, you need to do it right. And, um, and I, and I was very fortunate to have parents that were very supportive. Um, you know, my five brothers and sisters, like I'm extremely proud of every one of them. And, um, and they're, you know, it's fun and it, it really stinks because we don't get to get, get together, um, quite as much, but when we do, it's just, it's, it's so awesome sometimes to step away from it and just enjoy your family and, or go and do something with your friends. And, um, that's, that's one of the biggest things. And I just, uh, I, that part of it, uh, I think the more and more you continue to go into it, um, you know, your family and your friends are, are one of the biggest things, um, your supporters, your kind of lean ons and, and people that you just, uh, you know, you really bounce ideas or advice or do the good and the bad through, um, that, uh, you know, and, uh, the other thing is just, um, you know, when you do it, um, you know, and I hate, um, you know, when, when you go to a show or, you know, obviously, and I, and I truly love evaluating livestock shows. I think it's awesome. I, I enjoy it. I have a lot of fun. I take a lot of pride in it when people ask, you know, to give your opinion um and believe it or not trevor i do enjoy judging pig shows i really do um i do i'm sorry um the sheep thing like i think i think i could do it and i think it'd be fun um um but i my small ruminant i know i'm probably gonna piss a lot of people off when i say this but the small ruminant stuff i I really hope my daughter never wants to show them because I just, I, I think sheep are dumb. I'll be honest with you. Um, <laughs> doesn't get but, you fired up. That's okay. Just, just, <laughs> I'm sorry, Corey. <laughs> now, now, there's now, some that doesn't get that, you fired up either. Now I say that, I say that because you have to wrap their legs and they bite their leg off. And I, I think that part of it is just like, why would an animal do that? But I will say when you go to a show and there's a sheep show going on, I still enjoy watching good livestock show. Like, Hey, the good sheep, they're incredible. And there's no doubt about it. I just don't know that I want to be the guy that every day I walk into a barn and there's an animal that acts like he's never seen you before. Ah! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I don't know if I want to be that guy, you know, um, I, I do enjoy that part of it. And, um, I think honestly, that's one thing that has helped me, um, as far as when you get to judge shows and you get the opportunity to do it, you know, you do it. <clears throat> I always leave and, and this might sound dumb to some people, but like when I judge a heifer show, like I judge them as if I was going to take the top five home, I want them to be the cattle at that show that I think I can make the most money off of, you know, um, I want them to be cattle that like, if I'm going to take them home, I feel that they, their build 
those things, I can make the most money off of how they generate. Again, you don't know the genetics. So, I mean, obviously there's some variables to that, but um, I would say judging shows and then being on the other side of it too and getting judged, um, you know, it, it does bring a new perspective of things of, of just like, Hey, um, you know, sometimes you need to let things go. Um, and again, I'm not the best at it. I know sometimes I need to probably be better at it. My wife tells me that all the time. Um, but you know, you, you try to get better about it. Um, and I hope someday that our two girls that we have, I hope they want to show at some point. Um, and you just hope that, um, when they start, you know, they, they appreciate it as much as what I did growing up when, you know, we didn't have every fancy new thing. And, you know, in the middle of the winter, we put up tarps and put a heater in so we could wash our cattle, you know, and, and I hope that they appreciate it as much as what I did growing up, that you got the opportunity to show livestock. Um, because as you all know, you know, obviously with this year, March, April, you know, there's a lot of shows that got shut down. And, and at first, you know, I was like, man, this is nice. I don't have to travel anywhere. And then it got to be like 45 days into it. And you're like, man, it'd be nice to kind of go to a show. And <clears throat> then all of a sudden, you know, people started making up shows and we started having shows and we started, you know, going places again. And, um, you know, I, I think that's one thing about the livestock industry and the people is um if there's a way to do something they're going to find a way to do it and um you know the, all the junior nationals the amount of support and the breeders and these makeup state fairs and and the people that put the time and the effort in to make sure that that happened for those kids i mean that is insane what what some of the people did i mean you know the people putting on the shows or the people that donated money so we could have these shows I mean, it, it's something that like, you never really thought about it until this year, but you know, you can kind of take it for granted. Like, Oh, there'll be a show, you know, just like Denver, like they're canceling Denver, you know, and you know, you hear rumors about there's going to be a couple other shows that might happen instead of it. But I mean, it's just one of those things. And, you know, Dan, when you were at Blackhawk, you know, he, I was there, you know, I mean, hell he's been there for 50 years. So, you know, he always had that model uh, or, that deal what was it uh you're never done your roles just change you know and mm -hmm. and hey that that is something i think can hit everybody because you know you always try to help and give back and um i had a lot of people that helped me along the way um and uh i i want to be able to do that and help somebody else you know continue to get started or you know whether it's somebody that wants to show a calf or whether it's somebody that's Hey, I want to get started. I want to have a sale. I want to build a cow herd. You know, I, I like, I want to be able to do that. I like our sale time. Uh, I bet, that, I bet since August 1st and, and I, I'm, it's awesome. Cause my wife loves it too, but like, I bet there's been 50, 60 people that have stayed at our house and it just, you know, they come, they want to look at cows. Hey, stay the night. Don't get a hotel room or, Hey, you're helping for a week. Hey, that, you know stay with us and um i enjoy that i enjoy that part of it for my girls because you know i just being able to meet as many people they do at a young age and um i don't know i 
but I guess it, it goes back to is just trying to give back a little bit, um, um, for, from, you know, where you started. And, and I am a long ways from being the best or thinking I'm the best. I, I don't think that, I mean, there's a lot of people that do a really good job. There's a lot of people that have really good cattle. Um, I want to continue to, uh, learn from, from those types of people and, uh, you know, can try to just get better, um, as, as much as you can. And you just try to make every year bigger and better and, and hope it's better than the last year. Yeah. And, uh, you're, you've played a big part in, in both of our lives and, and you're, you're already given back in, in many, many ways. So we really appreciate you, uh, just taking time out of your busy schedule to, to do this interview and best of luck at your sale and hope to see you at the next show. Hey, I do have a question for Corey. Okay. Corey. Corey, you there? I'm here. Do you still have Doritos on your nightstand? I do not. (laughs) Best memories I ever, I'll never forget this. You might have been late one morning for judging practice. And we went to your house and we ripped you out of bed. And you had a bag of Doritos scattered all (laughs) through your bed. And I'll never forget that. There's actually two stories. And the one time when you hauled that pig in your car that had PED. Yeah, we, yeah, and was, we your car. We don't talk about that. Fell <laughs> horrendous for three weeks. Dude, I, there's just, there was, yeah, I had to take, I literally had to go get that professionally detailed, by the way. We actually talked to Andy life. about that on this episode. Yeah, yeah, we do. We talk with Rash about that on his episode, so you'll have to listen sometime. I, I am really thankful. Because you did haul a barrel that I bought from him too, so I mean we, I mean it, I'm not gonna say it was a bad idea because you know hey when you find good livestock you gotta just you gotta take them when you can, and I am very still to this day grateful that you hauled both of those pigs in the back of your car and not mine. <laughs> well, I get, you're you're welcome. I guess I, I, I that. yeah no I grew out of the the bag of Doritos on the nightside table phase that was that was strictly. <laughs> Uh, the two years I was at Blackhawk, did that exist in my life? So. <laughs> hey, keep up the good work, guys. I really, really do appreciate you asking me to come on, and uh, proud of you both, and uh, I look forward to seeing you. Well, thanks, JB. Take care. Good luck with the sale. Well, it's always good uh, to talk to uh, old friends. Now we could call him. He was a coach at one time in our life, and now doing big things in the cattle industry and got two cute little girls and a good wife, good family, and just a good guy to talk to. So, uh, really the one thing Jared's really good at is bringing out semi embarrassing stories about (laughs) you because he never forgets them. Oh, I know. Like ingrained in his brain for everybody that he knows. Oh my gosh. He's got it. Yeah. The, the selective memory uh, of those stories. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, Yep, good stuff. Um, I thought that was just you can't you can't beat it. You know what yeah. I mean? Just there's there's so much conversation there that we could have even gone even further down. But you know, uh, you, you pretty much got to encompass what Jared Boyer. Is that's that's the Jared Boyer life story, top yes, to that, bottom. That is that is the JB that we know. Um, 
anyway, be uh, be sure to be on the lookout for that sale October eighth. I'm just gonna plug it again because if if Jared's serious about this two percent deal, I'm in. <laughs> yeah, that'd Five be a sixty one heifers. I mean, that's you can be get okay. a average going. We could uh, we could really build this uh, stock talk and get a lot more gear ordered. <laughs> oh yeah. Speaking of, Fierce Threads came in clutch. Thanks for everybody who purchased. Uh, they they are shipping them out, and uh, boy, I'm pumped to get mine. Haven't got mine yet. Emily's got hers before I got mine, but whatever. Yeah, I got mine. Yeah. So uh, good stuff there. Um, be creative on your breed them, ship them, show them. I know we said that in the intro. Uh, but instead of just listing sire names, get a little creative. Make your own scenario. Yeah. They're, they're a lot more fun to evaluate that way because they're all good sires. We don't want to ship any of them. So, anyways, uh, things are good, and uh, I'm really looking forward to uh, seeing uh, where we go from here because we got a lot of really, really, really interesting guests that are out there. None of them are scheduled yet. We got to sit down and get them, get them logged in. So, um, Anyways, we appreciate each and every one of you, and thanks for tuning in for another week of Stock Talk. We'll see you in seven days. I gotta go.